0: Good morning. Good to see you all today. It's 2021. Amen. And uh, good to have you this first Sunday of 2021. And uh, hello to those watching online as well as we uh, uh, still deal with what we started way back in March. But hopefully in the next few months, maybe we'll start seeing some relief from that. And so anyway, good, glad you're here today. We're starting a new sermon series uh, in the book of Galatians. Now, I've preached through a lot of different books, the Bible, the Bible over the years, and a lot of different passages uh, over the years. But, you know, I've never preached through the book of Galatians. And um, it's, it's an interesting book. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why you would want to preach through it. Then there's some parts that get a little confusing, parts that get a little dated, and so it takes a lot of explanation to uh, talk about a little bit what's going on. Um, but it's a book essentially, uh, essentially about grace. It's a book essentially... About grace, And so that's what we're going to be talking about, It because as we head into 2021, uh, I think we all need to be people, Christians, who are about grace. And I think we need to be showing how we can give grace to others uh, and how we can be people of grace and understanding what we talk about when God talks about grace. Grace is one of those words that if you've been a Christian for a while or been in a church for a while... You hear a lot about the idea of grace, the concept of grace, but it, you kind, of, it kind of loses its meaning after a while. It's kind of like love or peace or joy. It's one of those things that you hear so much, you forget exactly what it means. Is God's grace, we're supposed to give grace like God gives grace? Can we give the same type of grace that God gives? Well, yes and no. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go through this book. We're talking today about understanding grace. Well, a number of years ago, you may have heard the story before, but I had one of my children and they were going through a very difficult stage of life. You know, may know what that's like, where they were just being rebellious consistently all the time. And I felt like I was starting to exasperate this child because I kept having to discipline them every time they continued to to be bad. They're about five or six years old, and I kept having to discipline them and give them the consequence and and they knew as soon as they sinned, they knew what they had done, and they, were, you know, they would cry and, and get upset because they knew that they had done wrong, but they were just going through a bad stage. So I thought about something different. I thought about maybe praying about it, thinking about uh, another route, and, and I said, you know what, maybe this time I will give them uh, grace. I won't give them kind of the consequence, the ground rules we've, we've, that we've set. It'll just be a gospel teaching moment. I, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to let them know that I'm giving them grace. I'm just going to let them off this time and, uh, and and teach them. That's kind of how God does with us, with our sin. He gives us grace, and he forgives us, and there's and, and there's and there's no consequence keeping us out of heaven. And so I'll just I'll just give them a gospel teaching moment. So I remember I came up to them, and they were crying, and, and I came up to them, and I, and I sat with them, and, and I said, you know what you did was wrong? And they said, yes, yes. I said, you know what we do when you do this wrong? Yes, I know. And I said, but I'm going to do something different this time. I'm not going to do what we normally do. And they said, oh. I said, no. I said, I'm going to give you, instead, I'm going to give you grace. When I said that, they thought it was some other horrible thing, and they, they went, grace, not grace. <laughs> and I was just kind of well, caught off guard by it, because I, I said, oh, no, 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 this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. Oh, okay. You know, it was like some like, medieval torture thing I was going to do to them. I don't know what they thought. But I just said, no, grace is a good, this is a good thing. I explained to them what grace was because they had no idea what it was. They thought it was something else that was going to be uh, difficult to go through. And it was a funny moment. I couldn't resist when it happened, when this child said it. I couldn't resist kind of chuckling, you know, uh, because they didn't know that grace was even an option. You know, the concept of grace, I believe, sometimes is scary for us. Uh, It strikes fear into us. You know, uh, John David, he's uh, almost two years old. When he sees something on the television, he doesn't quite understand. He'll say, scary, (laughs) scary, scary. It's usually like, you know, it is kind of scary, I guess, for his age. But he doesn't really know why they're doing it or why they're showing it. And it might be like a child dressing up for Halloween on television. He's like, scary. You know, he didn't like it, you know. And I try to explain to him that it's okay. And and, and things that we don't understand, that we're uncomfortable with, that, that scares us. And I think that many Christians, all of us, as we try to comprehend the grace of God, for many of us, it's frightening. I believe it scares us. Because it goes against everything that we as people are taught. It goes against everything that we even strive to be as people. It goes goes against everything many times that we believe how this world works. And we're going to get into that later. But when we don't understand, what we don't understand, usually we fear I believe many people fear grace. I believe many Christians fear grace. And so as we go through this book of Galatians, I hope we'll all have a better understanding of God's grace and realize what a wonderful thing it is that we don't have to be fearful about living in the grace of God. So we're in Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, when you wrote a letter back in those days, you signed your name at the front. And so he says, Paul... according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse six. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort The gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Verse 10. Four, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Heavenly Father, as we continue to worship today, come across this letter that you wrote. To a group of churches in an area of the world, I was dealing with a specific teaching. that was causing problems in the congregations. But really, Father, it was a teaching that goes to the heart that all people have: this idea that we can earn your love, that we can earn your salvation, that we can earn your grace, which, by definition, Is unmerited. So, Father, as we learn about what it means to be people of grace, let us today understand what it means that we have received grace through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. How he purchased grace, he purchased salvation, and he gives us that grace through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Father, I pray that my words today reflect the meaning that you gave when you wrote this so many years ago. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we jump into the text, I want to set the scene. And The Galatian churches, now, they had been experiencing an influx of false teaching. If you look through the New Testament, there's a lot of letters written to a lot of churches about these, about, concerning a lot of false Teachings, And there was some that was was more mystical in nature. This one wasn't. This was kind of like an old-fashioned legalism. And this teaching was from converted Jews. There were Jews who became Christians. And they taught that in order to be saved, you had to do two things. Not just one thing. Not just believe in Jesus. You had to believe in Jesus Christ and be circumcised. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Old Testament, circumcision was the sign of God's covenant with Israel. So, what these people were really saying by, by saying you had to have that sign, because of course only half the population could have that sign, the Judaizers, they, what they were saying is they wanted Christians to not only believe in Jesus Christ, but they wanted them to also be like Jews and to obey all the commandments. Basically, what they're saying is this you have to believe in Jesus and be Jewish. You have to do all the Bible commands, you've got to keep all of the law, all the commandments. The covenant of circumcision, you have to uphold that. And you have to be a Jew who believes in Jesus. And we know that is not true. And this is why Galatians was written. So he writes the letter to the Galatians saying that that you can't fall victim to this false teaching. Because grace means not having to follow the laws not having to follow the rules in order for God to love you, in order for God to forgive you, in order for God to bless you. See, legalism, moralism, is really the world's default religion. And it's the world's default religion because at heart we are all this way. We are all moralists at heart in some way. We are all legalists in some way. And so the world will always seek to make a way to where we must have some type of transaction, a this for that, in order to be made right for God. Every religion has it. You do this, God will give you X. You do Y, God will give you X. But grace destroys that. It destroys that notion. The gospel says there's nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. Jesus did the work. You did not do the work. Just believe in Jesus Christ, and he earns it for you. So I want to give you today three truths about the grace of God. Three truths about the grace of God. Number one, God's grace gives us merit. God's grace gives us merit. Merit. Look at verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. So if if you're going to discredit a person's ministry, which is what was happening to Paul, the first and easiest tactic is to tell people that this person is not really called by God. And so you see Paul, when he writes this letter, the first thing he says is, Paul, word to an apostle. And then he says, who called him to be apostle? Not man, but God. And so that's the, and that's what they were saying. They're saying, Paul, don't listen to Paul. He's not a real di- apostle. He's not a real disciple. He wasn't one of the original twelve. Don't worry about him. And Paul wasn't one of the original twelve. He was called by God to be an apostle on the road to Damascus. Jesus appeared to him face to face. And but but Paul underscores that he is called by God. And so he makes it clear. Also, that he's not alone in this letter, is he says that, verse 2, and also, it's not just me writing this, all the brothers who are with me. Paul had a posse, so to speak, of New Testament saints and leaders that also supported his ministry. And he said, hey, this is not just coming from me. This is coming from all the guys. This is coming from all the brothers. So he says, verse 2, to the church of Galatia, and he gives them a standard greeting Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In a lot of Paul's letters, he'll go on and on telling the churches how much he loves them, how thankful he is for them, and he'll reminisce a little bit about their past. He doesn't do any of that in this one. I don't know if he woke up on the wrong side of the bed or what he did or just or his patience was short that day. I don't know what the issue is or was, but he just comes right out and he gives, gives a little mini-greeting. And then he gets right to the heart of the matter in verse 6. But he does say, grace to you in peace, which is kind of a standard Christian greeting. And in this prayer of benediction, which is what it is, he jumps right to the theme of the letter, and that is grace. So immediately he says, Paul, I'm an apostle, and we're going to talk about grace. And the word he uses for grace is the Greek word charis, which indicates that there is the unmerited favor of God that God gives towards sinners and mankind which then becomes the basis for the writing of the relationship to him. Grace is not adherence to law. Grace is not about human achievement. It is a divine gift. And this truth, he says, grace and and peace to you, this truth gives peace to those who receive it. See, if we don't understand grace totally, if we don't really comprehend grace, we're not going to have true peace if we really think it's up to us to do something, to achieve something, to merit something for God, if we really think we've got to work hard, do something, whatever the list is, we're not going to have peace because there's something else we've got to accomplish. But when we understand that it's all about what Christ has done for us and it's all about Jesus, then we can have peace because we don't have to worry about meriting anything else anymore. Many have said that America is not a theocracy. We know that. It's not a nation-state like Israel. It's, and some have said it's not even a democracy. Some have said it is a meritocracy, the word meritocracy. What is a meritocracy? In, in many ways, the way our country is founded, we have the freedom to do that. And what, what does this mean? Well, in, in whatever we merit in life, whatever we earn in life is how far we can get. The more we merit, the more we earn, the better we can get. Now, you know, some have privileges, others don't. But for the most part, we we know that if we merit our achievements, we can get what we deserve. Most of us kind of feel this. I have my nephew. I saw my nephew this week. And uh, on the we went to Columbia and saw my family for Christmas on the 1st. And uh, I went up and saw him. And, and he is uh, one of only six or seven um, sophomores who played for varsity football team and a good team they went in the playoffs they did well and, uh, and so it's a 5A school you know he's a starting right tackle he's just like 6'2", 260 two or 240 so he takes just takes after his uncle and uh, this big athletic guy and, and my, sister, my sister's son who, by the way, was my height, but we actually stood back to back, and I now have her beat by two inches now for the first time. So that's good. But anyway, that's where she gets—he gets his height. But he's—he's he's this great 10th grader playing on varsity. He's got like a 4.9 or something GPA, crazy GPA. His SATs are already like better than mine, off the charts. You know, he's got all these accolades. He's got all these, and he's in. Plus, he's like the most humble, nicest guy you've ever met. My, my wife was saying, you know, why can't you be more like your nephew? <laughs> just as, Does he do anything wrong ever? I'm like, oh, I'm sure he does something wrong. We just, but everything is just great. He's just, you know, and, and uh, just sweet, nice kid. And uh, I said, I think he gets his aggression out on the football field is what happens. But, but, um, but there's this app that he was talking to me about because I was asking about colleges because he's starting to get some letters from some schools about playing football and things like that. And I was asking him about, because he can go and get an academic scholarship. So I was asking him a little bit about, you know, about that. And, and he said there's this app where you put in all your stats and all your like, uh, merits and achievements. And it'll tell you the percentage chance that you'll get accepted into like a college of your choice or whatever. And he was telling me about a, a good public school in our state that he had like a 99% chance of getting in. He's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go there because I, don't think, you know, I, didn't, I didn't think it was that good of a school because I got a 99% chance of getting in. I said, Jake, no, no, that's, that's a good school. You just have a crazy resume. Like, you have a great you know, list of achievements. So just because you, you have this great list of achievements doesn't mean it's not a good school. And, and, and he's like, oh, okay. But, and, and, so, and so, again, there's nothing wrong about meriting things. There's nothing wrong about achieving things. It's good. The more you achieve, the more options you have in life. The more you merit, the more you can do in life. The problem is, because we're so merited-driven and achievement-driven in some area of our life, we take this merit approach, and then we try to make it work for our spiritual lives. We try to bring it in to Christianity, and it doesn't work. Because there's nothing we can do to earn God's grace. There's nothing. It there doesn't matter what your resume looks like. It doesn't matter if you were a Boy Scout and you got all the merit badges there was. You know, I went to one Boy Scout meeting. I learned how to tie a knot and I never came back. I was like, I don't have time to learn to, to do all these badges, right? Now, my wife, on the other hand, was a Girl Scout and she got the highest award you could get. She did it all, which is probably why we were together. She did everything. I did nothing, right? So, but she did it all. But it's great because it's great in life, and you need to achieve things in life, but we can't take that into our spiritual life. The gospel has no merit other than the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Jesus did the work. We didn't do it. Every other belief is legalism. It's a moralism. The merit is given to us. It is mediated to us through Christ. Look at verse 4. He tells him here in verse 4, Jesus who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, Paul would write and he would start praising God. He didn't have to amen himself when he was writing. That's what he's doing. He gets caught up in this. He's like, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus died so that we don't have to achieve reconciliation to God because we couldn't. We can have a a clear conscience because what God has done in Jesus Christ, we turn from our sins, we believe in him, and then we can trust in his grace. And he says this is an evil age we will live in, and it will be evil until Christ comes back. We see that all over the world. We see it is an evil age. So we need to constantly remind ourselves that the grace of God gives us all the merit we need. Secondly, not only does it give us the merit, it gives us stability. It gives us a certain level of stability. It says in verse 6, right away, after he kind of praises God and tells them grace and peace to you, he says, I am a I just can't believe it. That you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Sometime after the Galatians received Jesus, a short time, they'd already found something else. They'd already turned to something else. Not all of them, but some of them. It was bad enough for Paul to have to just send a letter. If it was a really difficult meeting, he would come in person. It's kind of like now, you know, if you really need to know something, you can call somebody up. You can text them. If you just need a quick answer. You don't have time sometimes to go by their house or get an appointment. You can just give them a phone call, text them. This is what he's doing. You do not have time to visit him. It's like, i gotta get, I got to talk to them now. they got to understand. I, this is no one-on-one-to-one conversation. This is me talking to them. I'll get their response later. What they need to know is this. I am astonished that you are quickly so deserting Jesus and turning to a different gospel. Then he says in verse 7, not that there is another one, because there isn't another gospel. And there are some who are troubling you and distorting the gospel. Now, this sh- shouldn't surprise us. When the gospel is distorted. It's like I said, we, we, we want to distort it in our own lives. We want to, to think to ourselves, well, if I just read through the Bible this year, do it every day, then guess what? God will, God will bless me. And we have our Bible reading plan every year, published in the bulletin. We have it online and things like that. And I've had people tell me before that they don't want to do it because they, they can't do it all. And they're like, I, just, I don't want to like, I can't do it. And I said, it's not all or nothing. If you don't get all 365 days read, we're not going to kick you out of the church. It's not going to happen. We're not going to call you up and say, you know, I saw you missed day 24. What were you doing that day? We just want you in the Word. But That's what I mean. We take the system of achievement that many of us have lived our life, we try to put it into our Christian life, and then we feel guilty for doing something that isn't a sin. Just read your Bibles. But the human heart wants us to try to achieve something. Again, it's not a bad desire, but when we take it into our spiritual lives, yes, we should have goals of praying every day. We should have goals of reading Scripture. We should have goals of becoming better believers and Christians. We should have goals of how to treat people. But it's not necessarily up to us. We are living in the grace of Jesus. So many times you have done things, you have made decisions, you have not done things because God's grace was guiding you. You didn't even know it. The Holy Spirit was guiding you. It was keeping you out of things. But people will turn from it. Because even though it's simple to live in the grace of God, it's not easy. It's not easy. Look at Luke chapter 8. Jesus tells a parable and really, the ground, the different types of grounds represent four types of people. He tells the parable, and then he gives the explanation. This is the explanation. He says this. That the seeds sown along the path are those who have heard. The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. And then there's ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. We all know people like that. Maybe that was you one day. Maybe early, you heard the gospel and came to church for a few months and then never came back and came back 10 years later. Maybe that was you. Maybe you know people that way. Hard times hit, you got what you wanted down of church, you don't come back. Verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit is not mature. Some people, they willingly say, yes, we'll take Jesus, and then they see this over here, and they get caught up in that over there, and they're like, oh, but I can't do that, and follow Jesus. Or God says to, to lay these aside, but I really want that, and they get choked up, and they say, you know what, this God thing is too hard. Verse 15, and as for that in the good soil, there are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. There are always going to be people, God's church, who try the gospel. They're going to say, this is too hard. And even believers who are sealed with the Holy Spirit, who know Jesus Christ, They're saved and always will be saved. We still have times in our life where we think to ourselves, you know what? If I wasn't a Christian, I could go do this. I could go live like that. I could go have my happiness, whatever it is. But he says, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Part of living in the grace of God means hold on to it. Hold on to the grace of God. I was driving the other day, and it was raining, and I was going slightly above the speed limit. So I was, you know, know, within reason. And there are people flying past me in the rain. Big old trucks trying to run me off the road like they always do. And I'm holding on to that (laughs) steering wheel, because I got a wife and, how many, I got four children now, that's right. Four children in the back, because my number one goal is to keep that car on the road. At that point, if I was by myself, maybe the number one goal would be to race the other guy. I don't know. But at that point, in the minivan is to keep the car in the road. That's what we got to do. we got to hold fast to that steering wheel as Christians. we got to hold fast, bear fruit with patience, and God gives us that grace daily. There's nothing we can do. We're just holding on to the wheel. God's driving us. Just hold on to it. Some of the Galatians didn't have that stability. They found other gospels to go after that matched up with the lifestyle that they wanted to live. Paul says, please, please don't do that. And then he says this in verse 8. Even if we come back, or an angel from heaven comes back, and preaches to you a gospel contrary to the one who preaches, let him be cursed. He says, listen, I might come back in 10 years, and I might preach something different. Don't listen to me. <laughs> listen to what I'm t- saying now. Even if an angel or what someone looks like an angel comes from heaven and preaches something different, don't listen to them. We all know teachers that we listen to for many years or so, and then maybe they teach something, or they've progressed in some area. We're like, whoa, what are they teaching? We get a little upset about it. That could happen. Paul said, if that happens to me, don't listen to me. Let him be accursed. And this is a strong word. And then he doubles down on verse 9. He says it again. I say to you again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel like you're hearing, oh, you gotta do X and Y and Z and believe in Jesus, or you gotta do this and you gotta do that, or you gotta eat healthy and believe in Jesus, or you gotta diet and believe in Jesus, or you gotta you know know all this and believe in Jesus, or whatever it is. Let him be accursed. That word translates. The word anathema, it was used in st- strong language in the Old Testament when people broke God's law, and he says, don't ever, ever preach another gospel. God's grace gives us that stability we need to hold on in life. And finally, number three, God's grace gives us perspective. Perspective. Isn't it nice sometimes, as 2021 comes around, we can have perspective? That's one of the great things about coming to worship, watching online if we can't be here. It gives us perspective of what's going on in the world. The Bible gives us perspective, God's grace does. He says in verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man? The problem was... They were saying, oh, you know, my my friend over here says if I don't do this, I'm not a real Christian, or my father-in-law says if I don't do this, or or my sister says this. And and so they were hearing this, and they said, no, 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 no. Following Jesus is not about making other people happy. (laughs) Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? If you're trying to please man, and this is strong language. He says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be, not I might not be, not I could not be, I would not be a servant of Christ. Oh, we serve man. We serve people. But not for the reason of getting their approval. Our approval comes from God and God alone. These are what the Galatians were doing. When you're a Christian, and you understand that God has given you all the merit you need, all the approval you need, all the grace you'll ever need, you can then try to quit earning merit from other people. And that gives us a freeing perspective. Billy Graham tells a story where one day he was driving through a small town. He was stopped by a policeman, and they got him for speeding. And Graham admitted his guilt. And the officer said he'd have to go to court. Can you imagine that? Driving through a small town, you're Billy Graham, you gotta go to court. And uh, so the judge said, Are you guilty or not guilty? And the judge said, I'm, I'm guilty. And uh, Graham said, I'm guilty. And the judge said, Well, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the limit. And so the judge recognized all of a sudden who he was. He was Billy Graham, he was a famous evangelist. And he said, You know, you have violated the law. And this fine has to be paid, but you know what? I'm going to pay it for you. I know who you are. You're Billy Graham. I'm going to pay it for you. And he took $10 out of his own wallet and put it to the the ticket and said it was paid. And Billy Graham said, well, that's awfully nice of you. And then he said, but also, I'm going to take you out tonight and buy you a steak dinner. And Billy Graham said, and he used that story to say, this is grace not just paying the ticket, it's taking us out and doing even more. That's what God's done for us in Christ Jesus. Yes, he's saved us. Yes, he's purchased salvation, but he's given us so much more. He's given us everything we could ever want, everything we could ever desire, everything we could ever need, and he gives us the abundant joy and peace that only he offers. Heavenly Father, to close our time today, let us see... And not only have you paid our ticket, you've given us so much more than that. You've taken us to a downtown restaurant, gotten us a a good steak with the potatoes and the green beans and all that. You've given us the whole meal. and We know that one day we'll be eating with you at the banqueting table in heaven forever and ever. Not because we were the best Boy Scout or Girl Scout. Not because we had the best resume. But because Jesus did. Because he purchased it for us. And as we close our time today, Father, I pray that we all will pour our hearts and praise to you for your goodness. What you've done for. that we thank you that you are on your throne, that you are reigning and ruling even today. And you have only good things in store for us, Father. Lord, I pray for those that may be struggling today, maybe something in their life, that they would hold fast to the gospel and to the grace of the gospel today, knowing that it's better for you to be giving us grace than for us to be trying to earn it. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.